Good evening. This is Hunter Combs for Africa Christian Action's weekly program, Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg. It's good to be here with you again this evening. We'll be discussing this evening, do you want God to bless South Africa? I mean, many of us do truly want God to bless our nations, bless our country, bless our family, bless our community. But what does God expect of us? And I'm here in the studio with Dr. Peter Hammond to discuss this very issue, as tomorrow we'll be uh, doing a March for Life to Parliament on the 1st of February. Dr. Hammond, it's good to have you here. Thank you so much, Hunter. Well, I think 2 Chronicles 7.14 is the guideline. If we want God to heal our land, there's some things he requires us to do. So mm. 2 Chronicles 7.14 should be a verse that we know off by heart. It's, it's got two parts, and there's seven main points. And 2 times 7 equals 14. So hmm. uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14. Now, there's four things we require to do, and there's three things God promises to do. So here it goes. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 2 Chronicles 7.14, given at such an important point of the dedication of the temple, the mm. first temple, and here is if any hardship comes to land, whether you're talking about droughts or famine, whether you're talking about plague, pestilence, war, economic problems, whatever the problems, at that point, the Lord challenges, if my people. Mm. And so uh, if we say, Lord, heal our land. Bless South Africa, and of course, he's sickly Africa. However, they want to do it, sing, God bless South Africa. Well, God has told us what we must do if we want him to bless mm. our country. Because he cannot heal our land unless he's first forgiven our sin. Mm. And he will not forgive our sin unless he hears from heaven. And to do that, he requires us to do four things. And those four things are mm. humbling ourselves, praying, seeking God's face, and turning from our wicked ways. Mm. Well, so. Some people would say, well, doesn't this first just apply to sort of the Old Testament and the completion of the temple? Because in context, this is Solomon finishing the temple, the house of the Lord. And then this is sort of the Lord speaking to him saying, okay, this is what I expect of you, Israel, my covenant people. So what's sort of the carryover from the old covenant Israel Mm -hmm. receiving this over the temple and us as the church today? uh, How do we read this and how do we understand this since we aren't? Is, we aren't Israel, if you will, and we aren't. We didn't just complete the temple of the Lord, but how would you sort of respond to someone who says, no, 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 this is just Old Testament and doesn't really apply to us today? <laughs> well, our Lord Jesus said that he did not come to abolish the law of the prophets, but to fulfill it, and that heaven and earth will pass away before one, <laughs> even a dot or a tick on, hmm. upon, upon the uh, eye, the smallest letter of the law will pass away. Hmm. And so uh, we are also told that... Uh, those who teach others to disobey God's law um, will be least in the kingdom of heaven. Mm. But those who keep God's law and teach others to do the same will be great in the kingdom of heaven. So it's quite clear that the law has not been abolished. The law reflects the character of God, the personality of God. But we've got many verses in the New Testament that say aspects of this. Yeah. It just God does, does call us to repentance it, and humility and seeking his 2 Chronicles 7.14 encapsulates it in a very memorable way. Mm. But, for example, if you just take... Start with the if, um, if my people. So already you've got an Acts 28 verse 27. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they closed their eyes. And Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may become hardened. Hmm. 
our sins, deceitfulness. Romans 2 verse 5 says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So these are our principles, if my people, and we could do this for every part of the verse. Hmm. Psalm 95 verse 7 to 8 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Proverbs 28, 14, Proverbs is great wisdom for all time. Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. And so this is a key thing. The, the first word of this verse, if, um, and it is a big if, because if you choose to obey the Lord, if you choose to respond to the Lord, mm. if you will not harden your heart, if you will open up your heart, if you will be responsive, if you will repent, if you will place your faith in Christ. So to a large extent, when many people say, why does God allow this to happen? Well, why don't you let these matters lead you to repentance and mm. to obedience of God's word? So many times we want to blame God for something when we're responsible. One of my first outreaches on the streets of Hillbrow many years ago, I came across a woman who was raging against God. She was bitter and she was angry because God had made her child deformed and she was mm. pouring out her anger and has a brand new Christian body. I know. And, uh, just in further counseling, it came out she'd been mainlining heroin while pregnant. Hmm. And the verse came to mind from the scripture, a man's own sin ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Hmm. And uh, I don't think I quoted that verse to her, but it came to my mind that why is it that we so often blame God for what we personally responsible for? Hmm. You know, a person might be driving drunk and an accident crash. Why did God allow me to have an accident? And, <laughs> and so on yeah. and so forth. So often we are responsible, and it, maybe it's not us personally, but it could be some other evil people's bad decisions, and we've become the casualties of that. But it's never right to blame God, but it's always right for us to say, what can I do? Hmm. And this is the first, the second part of the verse, if you will. First, you just opened up talking about the if. So there's a call to do something, but it says, my people, and this is addressed to the people of God, the nation Israel, and as Paul says, those who are of faith are children of Abraham. So in many ways, we can sort of apply this today as the church, first and foremost. If my people, well, who are God's people? It's not South Africa as a nation, it's the South African believers. It's not America as a nation, it's the American believers. It's the yes. covenant people of God. So it actually begins with the church, really. It doesn't just begin with a nation uh, in and of itself, it's actually the believers within that nation. Correct. I mean, when we call a nation to repentance, what we really think of is calling the believers in the nation to repentance. And hopefully this will lead to evangelism where you can win the lost in the country. Mm. But you can't really expect an unbeliever to be understanding God's laws, let alone repenting for them. For that, they need repentance and regeneration. And as we know, regeneration precedes repentance. But Exodus 19, 5 to 6. Now, if you obey me fully, and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine. But you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. It's interesting that Israel was called a kingdom of priests because Israel had 12 tribes, and one of those tribes was, in fact, the tribe of Levi. They were mm. a tri tribe of priests. So, so they had a tribe of priests. So what does it mean when it speaks about being a kingdom of priests? Mm. Well, like Levi were the priests for the nation, the nation were to be priests for the world. Hmm. And so uh, the Lord makes it clear, the whole earth is mine, but you will be for me a kingdom of priests, which just again reminds the state of Israel that they're not blessed in order to receive it like a bucket, but to be like host pipes. So we are not blessed in order to be selfish. We are to blessed in order to be a blessing. We are saved to serve. God gives unto us, 
and to whom much is given, much is required, and to whom much more is given, much more is required. Mm. And so we should always be passing on the blessings like hose pipes or um, irrigation systems, if you like. Mm. Deuteronomy 14 verse 2 says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. Psalm 100 and verse 3, Know that the Lord is God is he who has made us, and we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And any true Christian should be able to say that. Hebrews 8 verse 10, I will put my laws in their minds, I will write them on their hearts, I will be their God and they will be my people. So this is a, a new covenant uh, mm. terminology as well. The fact is, we no longer have God's Ten Commands written in tablets of stone, but we now have them written on our hearts. Mm. And so if our conscience has kept the Word of God, if we're instructed by the Word of God, we should, as Jeremiah prophesied and as Hebrews reminds us, we have God's word written in our heart. In fact, often it's so. If you go on the streets and you speak to people, while they may say, I'm a good person, I'm a very good person, if you start to probe, have you always loved God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Have you always done to your neighbor as yourself? Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen something? Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? Have you ever failed to return something you borrowed? Have you ever broken something and not replaced or repaired it? And when you speak to people, their own conscience does start to awaken. Sometimes a person's conscience can be heavily seared mm. and uh, suppressed, and we can damage our conscience. But the average person still has their conscience condemning them. And when we stop and we think for a moment, we know that it doesn't matter what I'm saying to others. I know my own heart condemns me because God's law is written on my heart. And mm. outside the grace of God, I have no excuse. Mm. Yeah. And the really interesting thing, you quoted Exodus 19 about uh, Israel being a treasured possession, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. But this is actually what Peter quotes in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, but you are a chosen people, talking to the church, the people of God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So it's a clear, Peter's saying, this Old Testament passage applies now to you, the church, the people of God in the new covenant. It does indeed. I mean, it, it's absolutely excellent. And so this, if my people who are called by my name. So uh, there it is, as you've read, it is clearly um, applying to us too. And then Titus, Titus 2 verse 13 to 14. Our great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, eager to do what is good. And so as God's people as Christians, as those who've been redeemed by the grace of God, by the blood of Christ, who have the Holy Spirit within us, who know what it is to be born again, regenerate. Uh, we have been purified for a purpose, to do what is good, to be eager to do what is good. And so this is to whom 2 Chronicles 7.14 is addressed. Hmm. So let's get into what the expectations are of us, the people of God, if we're to expect God to bless us as a nation? What does God expect of us? And then we can talk about how does that apply to what's happening tomorrow? Yes. So the very first call is, will humble themselves. If my people are called by name, my name will humble themselves. And so um, that's why I remember when I was converted, 1977, we had a terrible drought hit the country in 1978. And the state president called for a national day of humiliation and prayer before God. That was the word. And day of humiliation and prayer before God. Repentance, humiliation, prayer before God. So uh, I was working at that time at Oxford University Press downtown in Cape Town. And during lunchtime, I joined the throngs of people just pouring in. I ended up in the 
Mother Kirk, uh, Dutch Foam Church, at the top of Adley Street with Andrew Murray's statue outside. It was packed, packed to overflowing, standing room only. People crammed at the doors. All the churches were apparently packed to overflowing. And I just remember, you know, brand new Christian, seeing these people earnestly praying. At what also struck me was within two days, the heavens opened, the rains poured down, the drought was broken. Mm. And sad to say, I think that's one of the last times this country had a National Day of Repentance. Now, my father told me during the Second World War, the British king, King George VI, called the empire six times over six years of the Second World War to National Day of Repentance mm. and humiliation before God and Day of Prayer. But sadly, not since 1945 has Britain or Australia had a National Day of Repentance called mm. by their government. And in our country, I know we haven't had a Day of Repentance called since certainly the 1990s. Mm. I think the last man who called for Day of Repentance, of course, P.W. Border, but not de Klerk, not Mandela, not Mbeki, uh, uh, not Zuma, not Trumpos. It doesn't matter how mm. bad our droughts or other problems have been. We haven't had a president call for National Day of Repentance since the 80s in South Africa. I think that's that's sad. Now, of course, we can still call ourselves to prayer and repentance mm. and the church should, but it would be ideal if the head of state called you to prayer. And it's a sad commentary on England, Australia, Canada, South mm. Africa. I don't know when the United States lost that national day of, of prayer and repentance. But, but again, the term used to be not just a day of prayer, but a day of repentance, humiliation and prayer, because mm. the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who crushed in spirit. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, Psalm 51 says, The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart of God you will not despise. Matthew 18, 4 says, Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Hmm. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Micah 6, verse 8, He has shown you, man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So over and over in the scripture, we read, humble yourself before the Lord. He'll lift you up. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Mm. And so there's a call to humility. And that's a call for all of us. That is a pretty sad commentary that the government actually hasn't called for a day of repentance in such a long time. Yeah, and I'm actually not sure when the U.S. last did a day of repentance. I know there's been many large Christian movements, but to actually come down from the government, mm. uh, that is ideal, as you said. Um, but we're also called not just to humble ourselves or not just to sort of flagellate ourselves, but we're actually meant to pray, <laughs> seek God, pray, come to God in a spirit of humility and pray. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more yes. about that. Our Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. To everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. And we are commanded by our Lord to watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but mm. the flesh is weak. In James 5 verse 16, we read that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Our Lord said in John 15 verse 7, If you remain in me, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. We are commanded the scripture to pray continually. Mm. And so... This is so important to have a day of prayer, of focused prayer. It's always important to pray as individuals and as congregations, but what a power when you see whole communities gathering together and focusing in prayer. Mm. Absolutely. And so now, what, is, what does it mean to seek God's face? Is this just hmm. to sort of open your Bible, have a quiet time? How does this look? Well, that would definitely be a good start. Hmm. Um, Jeremiah 29 verse 13, 
one of the first verses I learned in Scripture Union. You will seek me and you will mm. find me when you seek for me with all your heart. In fact, I think today in this age of WhatsApp and so on, you can say, what's God's cell number? Jeremiah 2913. <laughs> uh, so you will seek me, you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. Mm. And Deuteronomy 429 says, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. So this is an emphasis that it's, there needs to be a wholehearted longing and seeking for mm. God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Psalm 105 verse 4 says, look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Isaiah 55 verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. I think you can sort of imagine like this, uh, this woman who had this bleeding and the Lord's passing by and she reached out and touched the hem of his garment as he passed by. And we used to have this lovely chorus we sang, reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. Mm -hmm. There are moments of opportunity that come and we should not miss those opportunities. You can't expect the door to always be open. I mean, we told that mm -hmm. they, one day, the door to heaven, the door of grace will be closed mm -hmm. and it'll be too late. And there's yeah. times when, when the Lord will return and the people who didn't have their lamps ready, uh, would be found unready. It's so important for us to to seek the opportunities, not to say, oh, well, I'll, I'll get sorted out of this when I'm um, hmm. at one minute to 12 or something. Yeah, you know, when I'm on my deathbed, then I'll repent and, yeah, and, and sort out my affairs. And as I say, people who, who wait for the 11th hour to die often die at 10.30 or something. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so break up your unplowed ground. It's time to seek the Lord, says Jose. Look to the Lord in the strength we read in Chronicles. Seek his face always. James 4 verse 8, come near to God. He will come near to you. Wash your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double mind. And so this is such an important emphasis in the Bible to seek God's face. And I don't think it's recognized much these days. When I was converted, one of the popular books out there in devotions was The Practice of the Presence of God. And uh, and there was um, continually being aware of the presence of God and living in the light of his presence. Mm. I've noticed also the people in Zuland, who've had the tremendous revival blessings at Christ's Avant Mission, they often pray for the Lord's abiding and for his presence. And you can sit mm. in the auditorium and there they've got, Lord, abide with us. Mm. Um, a prayer written in five languages in the woodwork over the pulpit area. And uh, I don't think that we in the 21st century think enough about the presence of God and seeking mm. the face of God. So this is something we need to go back to the scriptures. And I would say if a person says, how do I seek God's face? Well, open up your Bible. Go to the middle of the Bible, start to pray the Psalms. Hmm. The Psalms are full of a seeking God. Hmm. Absolutely. And there's such power in not only praying our prayers, but praying God's thoughts after him, praying the scriptures. Uh, that is, if we want to seek God and pray in the name of Jesus, in the character of Jesus, we do so by praying the word of God. So the mm -hmm. verse says, so far we've gone through, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, there's one more thing that's expected, and turn from their wicked ways. Mm. Is there much repentance that we see today? I mean, certainly there's really a true need for us to call our people to repentance today, to call our churches to repentance, to call our nation to repentance. Isaiah 55 verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way, let the evil man forsake his thoughts, let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. In Joel 2 verse 12 we read, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Acts 17 verse 30, and, but now God commands all people everywhere to repent. At uh, the time of Pentecost, in the book of Acts, we read, repent then, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, 
that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 7, 10, we read, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. You know, none of us will ever get to the day of judgment and look back and say, you know, I think I was too serious about repentance or I, I hmm. took restitution too serious. I spent too much time praying. I don't think anyone in light of eternity is going to say, you know, I took my sins too seriously. I was I spent too much time Bible reading and prayer. No. <laughs> um, in light of eternity, we'll regret not doing enough. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's why uh, we are told that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. 2, Chronicle, 2 Corinthians 7, 10. So if we do these things, this is what God says, if you humble yourself, pray, seek his face, and repent, turn from your wickedness, then he is going to act. Then I will hear from heaven. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes. Uh, this just reminds me of 2 Kings 22 verse 19. Because your heart was responsive. Because you humbled yourself before the Lord, because you tore your robes and you wept in my presence, I've heard you, declares the Lord. So the Lord notices how we respond to his word. You know, if, if we're sitting there and yawning and checking our cell phone during the church service and we uh, distracted during the prayer meeting, well, you know, God knows how we're responding. Mm. But when you see sincere, this, this man's heart was responsive. He humbled himself before the Lord, and he showed it outwardly as well. And so the Lord heard him and blessed him. Hmm. Ezra 8.23, so we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. In Acts 4.31, it's, it's a powerful passage where after the church, the early church is being threatened by the very Sanhedrin that had crucified Christ, hmm. they were told, you're not to speak in this name of Jesus again. What did they do? They prayed for the courage to do what God had commanded them to do. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. They went out in the streets, and they evangelized. So Acts 4.31 shows us that when we get serious about prayer, God is more ready to answer our prayers than we are to pray them. And so, yes, that's the first step. When we've done those four things God requires, he promises to hear from heaven. And then he says, I'll forgive their sins. And this isn't just on a personal level. This is actually on sort of a national level. He's talking about, I will forgive their sins. Yes, because that's the context of 2 Chronicles 7, 14, healing the land. And so Ephesians 1, verse 7 says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. 1 John 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103 rejoices that God forgives all my sins. Psalm 130 verse 4 says, But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are to be feared. Our Lord taught that if you forgive men when they pray sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And when you're standing, if you hold anything against someone, forgive him, so that your heavenly Father may forgive your sins. In Ephesians 4 verse 32 we read, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. In Colossians 3.13, we read, bear with one another, forgive each other. Whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And this is this is what we need. We need forgiveness, and we command it to live in a forgiving attitude ourselves. And the very last promise is, and I will heal their land. And this is really what everyone wants when they're praying for repentance. They're saying, oh, just bless us, heal our land, bring many people to salvation. But we don't really want to do all those things that precede this. There's just mm -hmm. jump straight to and heal their land. What, what are some other scriptures that tell us about 
God healing. Yes, Jeremiah 12 verse 4. How long will a land like parched and a grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and birds have perished. You know, we've got fires, wildfires. Just over this last mm. week, we've had how many wildfires around the Cape, Claymont and up in uh, Silver Mine and animals and birds have perished. And the scripture says mm. that when the land lies parched and the grass in every field is withered, it's because the people who are living in the land are wicked. And when animals and birds are perishing, it's a sign of wickedness on the land. Mm. Uh, the, the innocent suffer because of the wickedness of, of, of us. Uh, Proverbs 14 verse 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And you can see when things are, are done well and when we are loving a neighbor and when we're evangelizing and when we're being salt and light, the whole community is, is sorted out. But when you see litter and pollution and people who are homeless and you see uh, filth in the streets and you see immorality allowed and perversion and pornography mm. allowed and and on your street lamppost all over, even outside pond, free, safe or safe and mm. effective abortions and things like this. Yeah. I mean, what a disgrace to any society to have that. And uh, that's why we need to look to the scriptures, Isaiah 33 verse 22, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, it is he who will save us. And we look forward to the day when, as Habakkuk says, when the earth may be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We want God to heal our land. And if we want him to heal our land, he requires us to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek his face, and to turn from our wicked ways. And, of course, that's exactly what we plan to do on the 1st of February, which is meant to be a national day of repentance, because it's the anniversary of the legalization of abortion in this country, which is one of the national sins, one of many national sins, mm. but a grievous sin. Because the scripture is clear that when innocent blood is shed, the land comes under a curse, and no sacrifice can take away the guilt of innocent blood except the blood of the one who shed it. So it just shows how serious this matter is, uh, that we're told that when innocent blood is shed, and if you cannot bring the guilty to justice, then the elders of the city must gather at the gates of the city and make a public statement that they are not involved in this, that they had no hand in this matter. Mm. And uh, so silence is con is consent. And therefore, it's so important that we who stand for the right to life of preborn babies, who want God to be honored in our land, that we should dissociate ourselves from the laws, which at this moment yeah. allow the legalization of abortion. And bear in mind, 1st of February 2022 is the 25th anniversary We've had a quarter of a century of abortionist country since abortion was legalized 1st of February 1997. And do you know, in the last 25 years, 2 million babies have been killed in South Africa by abortion, mostly with taxpayers' money, legally. Hmm. And that's a national disgrace. And that's sure. why we march for life on the 1st of February, and we call for National Day of Repentance. Hmm. And so if anyone listening to this really feels stirred in your hearts to join this March for Life, how can they do so? Well, if you can join us at all in Cape Town, we'll be gathering by the Kaiserkrug Street. Now it's called Hanover Street, the old Kaiserkrug Street uh, parking lot close to a Cape Peninsula University of Technology or Kaput. So the Cape Tech um, parking lot. We'll march past the city hall and the goal is to get into Adley Street and up to uh, Spin Street to Plain Street, up to Parliament, the gates of Parliament, Roland Street, uh, by the horse and rider, the... Um, old Prime Minister Bota statue, and we aim to have a prayer vigil, a, a, a repentance at the gates, lay wreaths, flowers, coffins, crosses, and we'll have a service of, of national repentance to pray for God to bless our land in accordance with 2 Chronicles 7.14. So you can join us at 12.30 
on Tuesday, tomorrow, the uh, 1st of February. And if they want more details or want to follow on, on the web, uh, you can go on to www.christianaction.org.za or also look on Africa Christian Action Facebook page, Africa Christian Action uh, Facebook page, christianaction.org.za website, or you can phone 21 Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We do hope that this would really stir your hearts as you think about, we do want God to bless our land. We do want God to indeed revive us again. And if that is the desire of your heart, think about this, that this is what God expects. He says, if my people, that's you and I, those who trust in Christ, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We hope to see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.